Hey everyone, we have Tom Schreier from Zone Coverage and we couldn't be happier. We're talking about the state of the Twins at the deadline, so make sure to stick around. This is Locked On Twins. You are Locked On Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello again and welcome back to Locked on Twins. I'm your host Brandon Warren and you can find me on Twitter, though I probably wouldn't, at Brandon underscore W-A-R-N-E. And thanks for making Locked on Twins your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube and of course part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. As a reminder, please feel free to be active in the comments. That especially applies one, to YouTube shows, and two, to live YouTube shows, considering doing a live trade deadline show. So if you want that to happen, send me a message. We'll see what happens. Maybe do something a half hour or an hour preceding the deadline, but live. So could be a lot of fun. Also, if you have questions you want answered on the show, don't be afraid to send them at brand underscore Warren at Locked on Twins. Hit the DMs, whatever. Uh, and then also, too, make sure to check out Locked on Twins postgame minutes after pretty much every game if there's enough interest to uh we'll do a few more quick hits maybe some lineups maybe some injury updates and that sort of thing now before we get going twins hanging out in missouri through the trade deadline they're going to be facing the cardinals at bush stadium on tuesday it's a 645 first pitch and who knows if we're going to see this pitching matchup it's pablo lopez and jack flaherty but flaherty <laughs> is on the trade block so we will see what happens there but if you want to get the Full coverage, the uh, every pitch of the Twins Hometown broadcast, you can use SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Twins. All right. All that nonsense out of the way. Um, I shouldn't call it nonsense. It's it's like house cleaning, which uh, is mm -hmm. necessary. But Tom Schreier, Tom, how the heck are you? I'm doing well. It's uh, Things get real this time of year, right? You know, it's mostly just Twins mm -hmm. through the first two months of the summer. It's been, I mean, as anyone who, who listens to this knows, it's been a weird season where, like, it's not great as a content creator when the team's 500. A, because nope. it's not incredibly interesting, right? But B, anytime we run a positive story and then they lose the next day, it like, no one reads it. It's like, it's like well, that was, you know, like, and vice versa. We write something that's a little more negative and they win, you know. That, so it's a little better. I guess now they're streaky. So at least you can yep. be positive, 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 negative, ne negative. But, like, um, but yeah, it's just with the with the trade deadline, with with um, Vikings camp starting up, all that stuff. It's it's getting busy again. But that's that's not a complaint. It's just reality. For better or worse, there's a little bit of the Paul Mauder years vibe to teams that are just mm -hmm. boring. Now, granted, I know he was part of the total system failure, and I also know he got teams to the playoffs, uh, wild card games, I guess. But um, it just to me, and I was I actually watched a game from twenty. 14 on youtube the other day sometimes you if you just type in a year and twins you can usually find a few games because there's yeah, yeah. a couple different and um how insanely boring and annoying were the teams with like ryan domit catching yeah. and you know uh trevor plus started in right field on opening day at home, home opener in 2014 like who remembers this stuff i, yeah. I had no idea 
I mean, the thing is, I vaguely remember some of the stuff. A, because Trevor Plouffe was always interesting to me. Like, obviously, he's yep. turned out to be like a twins entity, right? Because um, obviously, first round pick and had some success in the majors, but also like that guy came out of central casting in terms of the TV and the Bally sports stuff, right? Yeah. I, I talked to a producer who was telling, he kind of, you know, obviously didn't write anything on this or whatever. It was all off the record, if you want to say, but like, he was like, yeah, we're getting ploof and stuff like this. And he'll do some stuff out in California. He's, he's really media trained now. And I was like, man, he looks like, you know, like he should star in a baseball movie as a baseball player. Um, and so I was always interested, like kind of, you know, came up as a shortstop, obviously had these streaks mm -hmm. where he's hitting home runs, always interested where he'd go. Um, and so I kind of remember right field. I remember doing it because I think he had like three errors in one game. I think he was actually out in the outfield. And, like, Couldn't catch it all either. Yeah. And I remember, you know, John Krasinski known more for, for, uh, covering basketball, obviously, and, and the Vikings. He was AP at the time and was doing twins. And I remember, like, we're all looking at him and doom it. And we're like, so we got to address this that I think he committed like two errors on one play and at three in the game. And I remember him going up and talking individually and kind of working through that and just being like, man, you have to be really good at your job to get through that because obviously the player doesn't really want to speak in that spot. You right. obviously feel empathy for him in that place. But yeah, I mean, I remember those teams a little bit just because 14 was the all-star season. It was probably supposed to be kind of this celebration of Joe Maurer, which obviously, you know, on August 5th, we'll have one coming up here and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But, uh, you know, it turns out obviously everyone remembers like 13, that kind of, you know, his career trajectory changes. And like the team at that point just felt like it was sputtering out. Um, I think it was 15, right? It was Malta kind of – that was a winning team, right? That was like 83 wins, 17 to get some of the, the wild yeah. card. But, like, um, I only remember it because I started covering the Twins in 2011, which is the funniest year that you could ever start Horrible. covering a team. But, yeah, like, um, you'd have to bring up specifics from each season for me to recall it. Um, but, yeah, it was um, – I guess, fortunately, 15, you had, you know, Torrey Hunter came back and stuff like that. It got a little more interesting. But 14, not a lot to remember. No, and to me, 15 and Hunter is kind of like McCutcheon in Pittsburgh this year, which is, yeah. you know, we'll talk about the trade deadline, to me, is all the more reason that that's not going to happen. Um, part of watching this 2014 thing, too, was thinking about how bleak it was then, and then you hear people now compare that, and it's not comparable at all. I mean, the level of talent on the 20, let's just say this, the last decade, 2013 versus 2023, night mm -hmm. and day. I yeah. mean, it's... It's the guy that started opening day for the Twins would not even be on the active roster right now, let alone yeah. pitch. He'd probably be pitching a Triple A, a la Louis Varland. And so, when I think about people getting that charged up about it, it's um, it's it's really something. Now, my favorite line from 2011. Were you at the final game? I don't think so. 2011. I think I covered it in between. My junior, uh, I did cover it between my junior and senior, senior college. So I came in the middle of it and then probably left before it ended. It probably is like, I mean, I guess it's getting your toes wet and stuff like yep. that. But like, it was a weird experience. So I, as far as I can recall, I don't know if I, maybe I'll remember this line. Maybe it'll trigger a memory, but uh, I don't think I was there for it. Well, so Pavano pitched the last game and it was, uh, I think there was like a Denard Span concussion thing. John Gordon's last game, he simulcasted with the TV. And yeah. so anyway, they win that game to avoid losing a hundred games. And mm -hmm. uh, so we go to Pavano and that was the night that he wore the mustache for the first time. And uh, he said, not that I'm happy about losing 99, but it's a lot better than a effing hundred. And yeah. he literally said it. He didn't believe it or nothing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So he was, he was explaining the mustache, which he said he can't grow a beard. Otherwise he'd grow a beard. And then, yeah, 
I'm not happy about losing 99, but it's a lot better than a bleep in 100. And I, I will never, as long as I live, forget that line. Well, and it's, I mean, it's totally a total system failure looks worse after that. Right. Yep. And then like, yep. um, I think there is something to that hundred number, even though it really shouldn't matter. Um, yep. obviously expectations, you think of like where that team was in 2010, open the new, uh, ballpark. I mean, they're about to play St. Louis. I always feel like the, the twins should try to be kind of like the Cardinals and the AL, right? Like the Cardinals, St. Louis is actually a yep. smaller, substantially smaller city and stuff, but they have this like national fan base because they are consistently good like i have a friend who up until recently who's a cardinals fan grew up in st louis was like they're gonna come back in this right and i was like well the rest of the division the nl central is kind of 500 and like how much of a threat do you think like milwaukee and cincinnati is and stuff we saw pittsburgh fall off obviously yeah. um and he's i mean even through that so 2011 that was their their championship run i remember him being like this outfield doesn't work and all this but he's like man it's the cardinals it's cardiac cardinals and somehow that stupid team won a world series and right. that's part of just kind of the cardinals and cardinals lore or whatever but um but yeah you know it goes from hey this new stadium and this twins team is constantly winning the al central finally they can keep their players retain joe mauer and like obviously 11 is kind of the first sign that things were kind of crumbling under, underneath them but um yeah i don't remember that exact line i think the thing i remember most is like joe benson and chris parmalee coming up and that this was mm -hmm. kind of the these are the next guys benson i think was like a five to a player i remember yep. one of our writers we sent him when the he was playing for the Chicago dogs, which is around the area he grew up. And uh, I think they were based around the airport in Chicago and like came out here. And I tried to get one of our writers to talk to Benson. He, he didn't want to recall his time with the twins or in his time in the major leagues yeah, or anything uh -huh. like that. Um, granted it was one of our young writers. Maybe, maybe I should have done it myself or whatever. Who yeah. knows what the, you know, what the kid was equipped to do, but like, um, and then, you know, Parmley obviously had moments of excitement, but it just, that's kind of where we were at. And you're right. I mean, I think, it is worth looking at that perspective, right? Like as we talk about this team now, mm -hmm. 92 coming out of the all-star break, five straight losses, sweeping Kansas city. This is a disappointing season. Like they, they especially with how good the pitching's been and, and how much they've invested into the hitters. Um, you know, like this is a disappointing, but it's, it's light years away from that. That was desolate. Right. And it's because mm -hmm. of the expectations and because of what was in the mind. I mean, even though they've depleted the minor leagues and obviously you look at the reds and they're benefiting from this and who knows the, the Orioles made too and stuff, but like, there are still guys in the minor leagues who I think are really like who will impact right away. The fact that they got this Jenkins guy who could be a first overall pick in different seasons that, you yeah. know, like there's got, I mean, Hey, whatever you think of Louis Varlin, like Varlin will probably impact the major league team in some way, whether it's coming back up and being a depth as a starter, or he probably would make a pretty good reliever. So it's just like, mm -hmm. there are guys now, you know, in the minor leagues, if you're Walner, you're like, why am I stuck there? You know, Larnick feels like maybe a change of scenery, he'd succeed, but like, at least you had a talent, you have a talented player down there. You can call on in the, you know, paternity leave for bucks or whatever the situation is. Um, this team is not that it's just more frustrating to see like Bomba squad in 19 the question of what that 2020 team would have been. I mean, I think ultimately because they lost in the playoffs and whatnot, like we kind of know what the end of that story is, but it would have been different if, I mean, 2020 would have been different without the quarantine in general, but like if mm -hmm. you played a hundred games, right. Even or whatever, I think we'd have a different, you know, remember that, that year a little differently. Mm -hmm. And then to see these kind of 500 seasons, the fact that they tailed off. I mean, I remember last year watching a series against Cleveland. I think I was covering the game in Philadelphia, a Vikings game, the Monday night one. And I remember watching on my iPad being like, man, the, the twin season is going to end with like Correa going off, right? Mm -hmm. Almost none of the guys that you'd want on the roster because of injuries and stuff like this, this 
weird Cleveland team that constantly buys and sells and is really cheap. And like, there is some like method to their madness, right? It's always like bad on ball skills. It's always like, they always are developing pitching. Like they're like a poor, poor, poor man's Cardinals. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, but they hang around. Like if you let them win the division, they will. And it just, I think that feeling of dread is sinking in now as we kind of talk about the state of the team and stuff like Cleveland will win the division if you let them. Like, I think they'll hang around and stuff. Having said Mm -hmm. that, the Twins should have, should be creating cushion. Like you talk about coming out nine and two, the fact that they went through, think of like how crazy that homestand was or kind of the the last sequence, I should say, like before the all-star break, the fact that sweeping Atlanta where you're like, hey, maybe the Twins just aren't as good as like literally one of the best, if not the best team in Major League Baseball. Mm -hmm. Um, Rocco shutting the clubhouse and, and, getting as heated as he'll get. And then you turn around that Baltimore game, like that was over, over as soon as, you know, Mm -hmm. like they went to the bullpen and him kind of turned around and saying, Hey, I think we got the, all that stuff out. He kind of gave him a reset, right? I guess he's now giving him two resets. And so I understand the frustration with the team. I will say this. I do think like the pitching pipelines kind of come along. I don't think Correa is going to be this bad throughout his contract as a hitter. And he's still a good mm-hmm. defensive player. Um, they've made some smart pickups around the margins, the the Willie Castro's and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think Taylor was huge. That pickup, even though he's not a great hitter, he's gives you something in the outfield. That's pretty special. And like, yeah, you talk about Ober and Varlin making the majors as like, you know, teen, you know, drafting the teens and, um, all this stuff. So I just, it is a different feeling now. It's just, it's frustrating when they really just seem to kind of loop back to 500, no matter how close or far away they get to it. Yeah. Um, I want to call back to 2011 for one second before yeah. we go to break. That's the year that got them Byron Buxton. So, I mean, it yeah. wasn't all bad. Um, so we're going to talk about FanDuel. If you want to take your first swing at MLB betting on FanDuel or, or whatever sport you want and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets, up to $200, you just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's right. That's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to have the first home run. That's all on an app that is safe, secure, and easy to use, super easy to use. And when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet MLB than FanDuel, which is America's number one sports book. So sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel is an official partner of Major League Baseball. Now, we we look at the state of this team, and you don't have to look too far online to find hashtag takes that are either confirming they don't think this team is good, confirming this team needs help in the trade market, confirming this team should do a fire sale, confirming this team should rebuild. I mean, you can literally pick your own adventure. It's like one of those books that we had growing up where it says, if you want to do this, go to page 12. If you want to do this, go to page 67. I kind of feel like you you have that kind of a a base of takes. Um, Where are you at with this team right now? Because to me, I see a team that even, even if you view them as flawed, and I think you have to, that there are fixes that are going to be reasonably priced that you have no reason not to try because they won't change your trajectory beyond this season. Now, so we saw the twins trade Sawyer Gibson long for Michael Fulmer last year, a net trade, you know, the net value, the twins didn't get to the playoffs, but Gibson long, you know, I don't think he's going to end up being that big of a loss. He's, he's pitched in the minors this year. He's been okay. 
I think they can make trades of that ilk and still make this team considerably better in the margins, as we've discussed, with a right-handed hitting outfielder. I mean, or at least one that hits lefties. At least one reliever, maybe two. Now, I think you can get Tommy Pham and Brooks Raley maybe in the same trade from the Mets. That cures a couple things. Rayleigh, to me, though, isn't good enough paired with Dylan Floro to be enough relief help added. And I would have thought otherwise when Brock Stewart and Caleb Thielbar were healthy, but now I think you can rely on one or the other to be healthy, but not both. So mm -hmm. where I'm at now is figure out a way to get Fam, Rayleigh, or Suter from Colorado. I'm fine with him, too. And then one more reliever, probably a little on the higher scale or um, – if you get Rayleigh by himself, it doesn't work for me. It's got to be a little higher than that. Yeah, I mean, I think luckily the needs are pretty obvious. I know people are saying Goldschmidt. It just to me, it's like, okay, so you're doesn't training, make sense. Like, yeah, you're training Brooks Lee, who like, I know people go, hey, dude, don't bank on the prospects. You don't know, whatever. Brooks Lee, A, seems as, at least as a hitter, as kind of certain as possible. B, like he seems like he's just part of the mix. I don't know if Polanco's like long-term, that's not knocking a guy who's been with the Twins forever and I think is a good yep. player. It just, mm -hmm. it seems like if Julian can be like, a standard defensive player the bat in my mind is legit um and like it to me like brooks lee should be part of that mix even when you're talking about royce lewis and obviously Craig's locked in for a while there so that's why yeah. you just don't trade those guys on the fringe of it and don't go like walk you know jenkins or like these guys who are like high upset i actually like the for example the chase petty trade where it's like that is such a a guy like that is such a variable and sunny gray became kind of a certainty here mm -hmm. um you know those kind of trades are fine but for this year, I think it's these low wattage moves. Again, you're talking the right-handed outfielder, left-handed reliever. Like I, I think that's, and that's not. You are trading from depth. There's, there is always a chance. Listen, if you had told me at the time of the Baltimore trade, and I know people are like, "Hey, why do you keep including this?" Like in stories and stuff. But like mm -hmm. at the time of the Baltimore trade, if you said Cano was the guy who was gonna be like, "Yeah, you screwed up," I'd been like, "What are you talking about?" Like that guy right. had like an 11 ERA. That's yep. not to like again. Like there were signs of promise, but he just seemed to have control issues. I would have said it's like Povich, or it was, you know, one of these guys. And you always take this risk that one of these like prospects who goes overlooked, like has some growth in the minor leagues i think of and i know people are down on miranda for obvious reasons but like miranda just took a random jump right i mean like mm -hmm. um you know some of these guys like we, we talk about how non-linear it is look at a balazovic you could have a year ago get, been like dude this guy is like a seven era like what is a man every level he was fine until he got yep. to triple a you could probably have dfa'd him and and nobody would have claimed him or they would have claimed him but stashed him yeah and i think he is i don't know if he'll be a starter but he is vital to that bullpen right now i mean he yep. is as advertised in my mind right yep. um so you know uh i just think i mean the fact that you look at like how did ed julian a guy who was french speaking until he went to college down in auburn and 18th round pick or whatever it was i know they like spent a little more money on him than usual mm -hmm. but like that that guy makes that impact right i mean that's why you got to be careful but at some point you do have to give from that farm system i don't think you're going to have a devastating trade here i think mm -hmm. the worst case scenarios are actually what you look you're looking at with um lopez and mali where it was uh, lopez says stuff man i mean we I'm, you broke it down well on, on your show and a lot of people talked about this it's like you are trading upside with him but mm -hmm. you need certainty right now i mean the dude can throw 97 it, it, effortlessly i remember talking to him i said do you ice your arm it no he just goes out and throws the ball right yeah. but like he's a naturally gifted athlete we saw it. he frustration went mount and he kind of get in his own head and all of a sudden it doesn't matter how good his stuff is right and mm -hmm. that just they took a risk. I think it was worth taking the risk at that time. Mally was the same thing. Mally was perfectly fine when he was healthy. I, again, I don't know 
they have talked on and off the record about kind of how you share information and stuff like that. Maybe they should have known something was coming with the elbow or the shoulder or whatever, but it just like, I think you have to take similar risks, maybe a slightly less wattage, slightly less risk. And why I say that is because you can fine tune what you need. It's not just bullpen help in general. It is, you got to have a left, especially with splits, you know, and, and just how Moran's been pitching. And then like, you got to have, um, you, I think you got to have that right-handed bat because you just, you can't have it in the playoffs where like, the team almost doesn't have a thing to be like, who are the two lefties who are available? Give me those guys. We're going to, right. you know, we're going to throw them out there. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think you do have to make a move here. I do think it comes down to the wire. They, the twins will say this with anything. I know they, they moved Lopez early, but like deadlines, get things done. You know what I mean? And they say, this is even signing prospects, right? The, the agent will say like, Hey, you know, like whatever. And I, I think this is probably pretty well known, but like the agent will be like, Hey, we'll, we'll take our guy back. We want this much money or whatever the deal gets done at the deadline. And I think the same thing will happen here where teams will, that are selling will panic a little bit and go, yeah, I thought we'd get more offers on this lefty we have and move on. And I, to me, it does matter who they are. It matters what their medicals are. It matters yep. how they fit in with the team. But I'm, there's there's just a lot of options for those things. Um, and I just, again, it goes back to this team is not as desolate as it was 10 years ago. There is something there. There's something in the minor league system. They need to patch right now because you can't lose the division again. If you have essentially the three same same three results three years in a row, fans are going to start turning on the front office if they haven't already, right? And yeah. they're going to turn on Rocco and stuff like that. And to me, I think there's something substantial there. I think they're doing a lot right. Mm-hmm. They will say this too. It's a results-driven business. You know what I mean? It's it's And ultimately, they, the result they need right now get into the playoffs, break the curse with your pitching. And I think yep. that's that shouldn't be the only thing they do, but that should be kind of the the aim right now from there, figure out the rest, figure out how to win that series and how do you compete against some of the best teams in the AL, knowing that the Twins just have not hit all year. Yeah. And as you said, deadlines spur action. So I think we've seen this front office, for better or worse, keep a stiff upper lip to win what they believe is their side of the the transaction. For instance, Michael A. Taylor, I believe the Royals were interested in Josh Winder and the Twins said no way and ended up trading a couple of guys who probably won't even see the light of day in the big leagues. But mm-hmm. we'll see what that there did. The other worst thing we can do is do nothing. Let's yeah. be honest. Doing nothing. People are the, the, the number one thing I think about baseball is things will get better or they'll get worse, but they most definitely will not stay the same. You can't expect to play the exact same baseball all season long. It could certainly get worse. So you protect yourself against it getting worse with some modest moves. You you tell yourself, okay, we have not quite been good enough to this point, but you look at Pythagorean record, you look at the big spots where they've had blowups and you're like, it's not hard to see this team five games up on the guardians with even slightly different results on the margins on the borders. So that's why you go, you get a couple of these cheap pieces, you plug and play because the Braves in 2021, and that you know they're the go-to for people in this situation. For you don't need to go crazy at the deadline, but also they did have good talent. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying every team that's two games under 500 right now can be the Braves. That that's not necessarily true. But their moves at that deadline were not crazy. They were Eddie Rosario, who was doing nothing for Cleveland, yeah. and Jorge Soler, who the Royals were desperate to get rid of. And that Eddie, Eddie Rosario. Had, somebody said he would swing at a throw over to first, and he was the MVP of that <laughs> World Series that year. Yeah, Good point taken. So that's why, to me, you can't just do nothing. 
I absolutely hate the idea of them trading Sonny Gray just to get the best price because that sometimes you have to stop playing that game. You have to play the these are our guys game. It's not you know playing a, a like um, that progressive game where you start with a penny and you get someone's used TV by the end of the night. Yeah. You don't you can't keep doing that forever. So to <laughs> me, um, you know, it's got to be it's got to be moves that make sense to push this team forward. There's no more standing still and there's no more going backward. And I, and again, they've positioned themselves well in this regard, assuming that the pitching is not as bad as it has been coming out of the all-star break, but like you can lose Sonny Gray next year. Right. And you can, and there yep. should have Lopez, right. Lopez should be good. Ryan should be good over is, you know, who he is. And I think, you know, yep. maybe a tier below an ACE, but like, you know, really good pitcher. So like, I think, as much as someone would go, well, that's fine. You could, it means you can move on from great. I think your point is well taken. You just have to load up for this season yep. because I think there's some success in breaking the the curse. And I think it's both fan satisfaction, which is kind of, you're going to kind of sort of get that, but I think it's more a mental thing. Like if you talk, I remember Alex Rodriguez, I was listening to an interview. He was doing Barrero and he was like, we thought of the twins as the little brother. And it's just, yep. we were just waiting for them to crack. And we know the Yankees success against them. Right. And like, you just, you just bully them. And I think the twins, while they maybe went out, while they admit this, like, they have to know. I mean, they probably don't care what happened in like 2006, right, or whatever. But they have to know. Like this team has not had a lot of playoff success. Them breaking through would be a big deal here. Also, mm-hmm. it just makes it more likely that you would stay and sign a contract, right, if you're part of yep. the winning formula. And so, I just think I think winning a playoff game is a huge deal. Putting yourself in a position to win a playoff series makes a lot of sense. Also, this team needs an honest assessment of how far are you from the best teams in the AL? Because it is not Yankees dominated. It is not Houston dominated. Red Sox. Yeah. It's, I mean, and Hey, the Red Sox are a good example. I was out in Boston for a wedding, not related to twins coverage, but like, I remember talking to people out there and they were joking how the twins and the Red Sox had the same record and, and the Red Sox were at the bottom of the twins. Hey, Red Sox are a great example of like, they're kind of sticking with this. Right. And like trying to make something happen in a really tough division, the angels, like there, you can complain about a hundred different things with the angels because they've had two of the best players ever mm-hmm. and they're not making the playoffs. I think you look at Otani's comments and that, Hey, the front office believes in us. Right. Think back to 2017 when the, the, team was so upset that they were selling right and kind of rallied around that like what the front office does here does influence how the the twins yep. will think about themselves what they do in the playoffs if they get there will will you know change how they think of themselves also you just can't have this you as you move farther from the bomba squad people are going to think more of you as a 500 team and you have to show people this is not a 500 team there's been investments there's not a ton you can do about Byron Buxton. He's obviously mm-hmm. they're treating him and, and they, the contract is signed in a way that like they gave him that much money because they know there's injury risk. Yep. There's kind of some of that with Correa. And I think to be fair, a success is can Correa continue on a trajectory here as the leadoff guy, right? That, that right. has value in addition to his defense. Sh- you know, they'll show you something with Julian's development with Ober's development. I'm trying to think of these guys who were, were not surefire prospects. Even look at a guy like Wolner, who like, yeah. this is not ideally what you do with a first round pick, but he's come up and ranked. He was not doing well in the minors when he came up the first time, mm-hmm. did as much as he could, fell victim to the numbers game. Now he's hitting home. That's the home run to, I think it was into the um, second tank or whatever. I was like, I, I don't even know how he got like power in that. Sw- you know what I mean? Well, like the opposite field one. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, and, 
again, that's just like you have a special talent there. Like, make sure you're developing him, you know, correctly. And then I think some of this is talent management, meaning mm -hmm. if Larnick, if someone wants Larnick and there's kind of a numbers game against him, and I just believe in Molnar now more than Larnick, mm -hmm. can you flip him and get the right value for him? Yeah. Um, and what do you do at the deadline when you have to do something? What are you giving up? And are we going to look back and say, like, hey, this was a deadline where you, it looks like kind of the 22 one where it looked good and then it looked bad, right? Can you overcome that? In some ways, they're fighting the demons very specifically from last year. Can they do it slightly better this year, have a better result? Yeah, and I think winning in the playoffs would have the players, obviously they don't hold the weight of it on their backs specifically, but just to stop hearing about it. Um, but before I let you go, I got one more thing. So between you and me and for as long as we've known of each other covering yeah. this team, I've been I've not been shy about my like I I am my affinity for the process, for the people yep. of Falvey Levine and, yep, and Baldelli. Yep. But to me, if you don't win the division this year, it's time to start over. And I, I want to, to me, re, to reach that point, it, it takes a lot. And so to what extent do you change things up if this team doesn't make the playoffs? Because the reason I come back to is this is a bunny hill. And if you can't climb this bunny hill, how should I believe you can climb any sort of mountain? Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's fair. I think my defense of them is like the pitch. There is actually a pitching pipeline coming. Right? Yeah, a sure. lot of these are their guys. And that's a very, that takes years to set up. Um, and again, I keep on going back to Julian and Walner and stuff. They, they are getting their prospects through. For sure. I personally would not advocate moving on. And it's beyond just, hey, these are good guys who who are very forthcoming with their process and, and why they go about things and also admit mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's also like you just there is some merit to starting over if you keep seeing the same results having said that like it takes forever to develop players in the in the major league baseball especially yep. pitchers they felvy you couldn't get a more qualified guy at least in terms of his background and what we'd know from his resume right with cleveland and whatnot um and it took years for that to kind of finally plug in he was and it granted cleveland used trades too to build out their rotation but he was using trades right the patch even a joe ryan yep. which was slightly developmental was mostly trade yep. um so I would not advocate for it. Having said that, like they, I'm sure the twins look at it holistically. Like how many people would renew their season yeah. tickets? How much, how many fans are we getting out to the ballpark regularly? Kind of what is the fan interest? They've seen it in 19, right? It's like you yeah. had the wave of the new target field and, but the, and but how much. Fan, and, and fan like attendance is up like 8%, I think this year. So it's not suffering like people might try to lead you on. Yeah. And so I, it's going to be really hard to look at it, the same result three years in a row and yep. tell fans it will change because people just yep. will see the pattern. Right. Yep. Uh, having said that, I guess that's why I'm saying like, I think it's not just for the team. Like it is for the team mostly, right. That put your, put yourself in the playoffs with good pitching and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Right. But like, it's also for everyone involved. And this is people turning on Cray and Pucks. And this is people turning on Fabian and Levine. This is people turning on Rocco and his staff, like to, Get the public behind you. Mm -hmm. You're right. You do have to. It can't be a 500 team that sneaks in the playoffs. You certainly can't lose it to the Guardians. You you certainly yeah. have to do something. You have the pitching has to show up in the playoffs. It can't. It's a very specific example, but it can't be Irvin Santana where it was like he has a 3-0 lead. He should beat the Yankees, right? And they sit up immediately. You know, like you have to. Show, but having said that, I, just as someone who's around it a lot, and and obviously mm -hmm. you and I follow the minor leagues and stuff, like 
it's just in a, such a different place than where I love Terry Ryan, but like where that second Terry Ryan stint went and kind Oof. of where all that, you yeah. know what I mean? Like it just like it, things there were like, where is, where is the talent is a major minor, whatever. At this point there's talent in the majors, there's talent in the high minors. There's also guys in low minors doing stuff. So like, mm-hmm. I just think there is something substantial there, but everyone involved knows it's process oriented and you just, you have to get out of the 500 spell. You got to show something in the playoffs. You're right. I mean, the, the division should not be this easy this long at some point kansas city's talent will break through or detroit's talent will break through or chicago will benefit from spending yeah and like even and again cleveland is just kind of that sinkhole where no one else does anything you know (laughs) they'll win the divisions they're talking about trading savali there's been talk about Colossae. if you basically the idea of them trading those players twins fans are like well why not trade sunny gray if you can get something well you also have him for two more months and the QO you like you, the value of him is him not trading him and people are too stuck on that. Yeah. Well, Tom, I want to thank you for carving out some time between, uh, you know, obligations for you. I know you've got uh, the limo coming for you and all that stuff yeah. here pretty soon, but uh, I want to thank people for being everydayers. If you are an everydayer, we have a special interview with Trevor Hildenberger dropping here in the next, uh, next while I'll keep you on your toes for that one. But, for Tom Schreier, I did not say people should follow you, by the way, at T Schreier 3 on the Twitter machine. Uh, Twins Cards Tuesday. That's tomorrow. If you're listening on Monday, 645, it's going to be Pablo Lopez against, we think, Jack Flaherty. And the other thing, too, interesting, they do, the Twins don't have a game until after the deadline. So this whole day is going to be rife with speculation. So we'll see what happens. I know Tom's on it. I know I'm on it. Thanks for hanging out with us, though. This has been Locked on Twins. Make sure you like, subscribe, follow, whatever you can do on the platform you enjoy. At Locked on Twins, at Brandon underscore Warren. This is Brandon signing off, saying thank you so much. And don't forget to stop by tomorrow.